Good morning. When, uh, some of you, if you're new here, aren't going to understand what's going on next, so I'm going to explain it to you. We have storytelling time in our service. Um, what we have is we are a way to connect with people that you can't just in conversation on a Sunday morning. We hear a story um, about their life that helps us connect to them. And this morning, our storyteller is Crystal Bauer. Crystal, come on up. Crystal is our ministry team leader for local engagement ministries, which means our local missions ministries that we're involved in. And um, Crystal's the kind of person who gets it done. Like, if you want something done, Crystal's going to do it. Uh, so Crystal's going to tell us a story this morning that is connected to local engagement. And there's also a table in the lobby afterwards that you can look and see the different ministries that Evergreen partners with with our local engagement. So Crystal, tell us a story. <laughs> Good morning. So I'm Crystal Bauer, and I serve our church as the local engagement lead. And uh, what does that mean? Our church donates to selected local organizations with our time and our funds. I work with a team. Bill O'Brien uh, works with Night Watch Dinners. Nicole Bell is with Big Table. Carolyn Hansen and Carla Kepler, um, Kepler, sorry Carla, help with Mary's Place. And then we do have a couple organizations that need champions in the church, so this might be an opportunity for you. My story today is going to attempt to tie local engagement to our scripture today in 2 Corinthians. Specifically, God's grace is sufficient for me, for his power is made perfect in my weakness. And public speaking's not my thing, so here's God. <laughs> so here we go. My relationship with God was set early in my life as I grew up in a church. I grew up in eastern Washington. It's a small, uh, in Ritzville, small eastern Washington town and of uh, German descent, we're Volga Germans, and church was just what you did on Sunday. And if you didn't, shame on you, no. <laughs> so sometime in my early teens, I remember saying to God, I don't know if I can remember to pray every day, so why don't we just agree to continually talk to each other? Do you see a slight arrogance in this prayer, um, praying to my creator this way, but God granted me grace and continued with me. Then right after confirmation, I remember sitting in church praying. And mind you, confirmation, we did the, um, the offerings. So I was sitting in the back of the church, and I do believe my chair was tilted back on the wall. And I said, um, I believe in you, but Jesus, I just don't understand how he works into this whole picture. So after college, through a turn of events, I found myself on an adventure that took me to Jerusalem, where I was able to observe the Jewish homeland. There, God relayed to me, why Jesus? His grace is personal. Then I thought, well, if I really believe this, well, let's, I'll just get reconnected. So I went church shopping in Mercer Island Covenant, now Evergreen became my home. I connected to a small group, and God led me to the scripture that I've adopted as my life foundation, found in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Love the Lord to God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And that's followed by love your neighbor as yourself. His grace gave me a foundation. 
then God tapped my mind with one of those taps that you can't really ignore as he is persistent, and I don't know about you, but kind of naggy. <laughs> Volunteer to be the layperson lead for local engagement. His grace gave me a direction. The scripture that we're studying are written by Paul, and I don't know about you, but I do not live my life like Paul who boasts in his weakness and has faith to know that God will be strong in his weakness. Me, my tendency is to set out on a task all by myself without God. And once things start going wrong, not to my perfect plan, then I reach out to him. By his grace, he is there to direct the course of his work. My God knows that I need to be involved in local engagement. I'm inspired by those who I've met through local engagement, whether they are the organization's leaders who focused on tasks that are too large for them to solve alone, or the recipients of their services. They live out weakness and know that God is enough. Their faith is stronger and far more evident than mine, and I witness God's power resting in them. It builds my faith as I witness this. So the slides that we're seeing um, are the organizations we currently support, including the opportunity to cheer on the participants of the US Special Olympics held in Seattle this past year. What an inspiration that was. I invite you to come meet the organizations we support and learn how you can personally engage with God while serving others. Thank you for listening to my story. This morning's scripture reading is from 2 Corinthians. Please follow along in your Bible or use the screens. I'll be reading verses 1 through 10 from chapter 12 in the New International Version. I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The word of the Lord.
Good morning. morning. Today's scripture reminds me of the story of the pastor who was so loved by his congregation and so admired that they gave him a medal, pastor number one. Then they had to take it away from him because he insisted on wearing it. (laughs) Before today's scripture, the apostle Paul was speaking speaking of his weaknesses. We heard the great sermon last week on that. His imprisonments, the floggings he experienced, the beating with rods, the stoned and left for dead, shipwrecked, danger all over. Now, if Paul were a politician in the recent elections, he would surely have lost. The recent political scene candidates endlessly smeared each other, pointed out their opponents' weaknesses, and presented themselves as the perfect picture of power, intellect, capability, and integrity. After all, who would vote for a weak candidate? We want the strongest people available to serve us in public office. Now, it's debatable how successful we have been. In spite of feeling foolish about this, Paul boasts, and I struggled with the text today because it's not only talking about boasting and putting boasting down, but it is also kind of sarcastic as Paul is giving a bad time to those who spend all of their time boasting. But in spite of feeling foolish about it, Paul boasts about his credentials and his accomplishments And I think he's being honest, but as I said, I think he's sarcastic at times. But his bottom line is, I will boast of my weakness. Not even about the amazing vision and revelation that most of us believe Paul was talking about experiencing himself. Can you imagine how some of today's prosperity preachers would handle having had that kind of an experience? They would be on the lecture circuit. There would be books published. There would be videos published about when I went to heaven. But Paul writes, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Now, a lot of people have speculated about what that thorn was. I have my own speculation, but it's not important. Thorn is more accurately translated stake. A thorn in the flesh can be just a little prick, but a stake, that's something else. It's not a minor irritation. It's a major interruption. And I think it's good that we don't know what that problem was that Paul struggled with. Because if we did know, we might say, well, that doesn't apply to me. That's not the problem I struggle with and I wrestle with. But we all have thorns as daily companions. The older I get, the more I realize in talking with friends of my age and far younger than me that part of life has hurts 
and nags at us. Now, thorns, I don't believe, are self-created. Who would knowingly choose to suffer from the stake of cancer or eye disease or dementia or pneumonia or heart disease or depression or broken relationships? That's the way it is with thorns. They happen. It's part of life. Our Lord knows about thorns. Isaiah 53 describes him this way. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering, acquainted with infirmity. Others hid their faces from him. He was despised, carried our diseases, struck down, afflicted, wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. He was oppressed like a lamb that's led to the slaughter. It's interesting that Paul prayed three times for the Lord to remove that stake, that thorn in his flesh. It's also interesting to know that three times in the Garden of Gethsemane, our Lord prayed, let this cup pass from me. All three times Paul heard in response to his prayer, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul does not preach triumphalism, but grace. And those who teach, if you only had enough faith, you would be free from affliction, you'd be free from suffering, you'd be free from pain. Those people teach a false gospel. It's not real. God does not remove Paul's thorn in the flesh. Paul can only say, I am weak. What else can you say when a thorn is part of your daily experience? Paul teaches and experiences perseverance in hardship, unyielding faith in spite of his weakness, unyielding faith via the incessant supply of God's grace so that God alone is glorified. Many people don't seem to understand the meaning of grace. They think it's kind of like God as an indulgent parent say, that's okay, Sonny, that's okay, no problem. I recall watching my little sister at the age of about five hosting a tea party for a neighbor girl, Lois Russell. Her little table was set with little plastic dishes and little plastic cups and a specially prepared lemonade and cookies my mother had baked for her party. They sat down at the table. I peeked around the corner. I thought this was an amusing picture. My sister was quite a bit younger than me. And then I heard my sister say to her guest, Lois, Lois, say grace. And Lois looked kind of confused and said, grace? No, I mean say grace. I did, grace? No, say grace, stupid. And I thought, that's a very gracious thing to say. <laughs> you see, there's a huge difference between power and grace. 
Power is self-reliant. It's like the small child that says, me do it, me do it. That's power. But God's grace is undeserved and unearned favor, and it enables us to experience his forgiveness and to rise above our frequent failures. God's grace is greater than our infirmities, greater than our inabilities, our insecurities, and our weakness. Paul, God tells Paul that God's gracious strength will come often right in the middle of weakness. Paul, you will endure. Don't worry, my child. I know you're suffering. I know life has dealt you a bad hand. I know it isn't what you thought it would be. Don't worry, my God. My grace will see you through, for my power is perfected in weakness. Literally, God's power accomplishes its goal when we are weak. I know that's a paradox to say that God is at his powerful best when we are weak. But who else heals the brokenhearted? Who else sets the captive free? Who else can make us strong in our weak moments of desperation? Who else can forgive our weak failures and our sin? See, God is so much for us that joy can break out even when we are experiencing sorrow. Hope can make a comeback tomorrow. His grace giving us the incentive to carry on even when our times are out of joint. We can find strength and weakness. And of course, then no one else can take the credit for this but God. Which is why Paul says, I will all the more gladly boast of my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Our culture grabs at fame and prestige and power as it seeks to climb the ladder of success. But our faith embraces weakness. For God works with us when we are weak. Whenever I am weak, Paul says, then I am strong. You see, often it is when we are weak that we feel our need for God. And our weakness thus leads us to our Lord, who is the tower of our strength. If we were sufficiently strong, we wouldn't see our need for God. But we, if we're truthfully transparent about ourselves, we know we have some thorns in the flesh. And the only way to survive and thrive is with God's help. For a number of years, I had the privilege of moderating conferences for pastors of churches with attendances exceeding 5,000. I was chosen as moderator because nobody knew me. These were famous and effective pastors from across the country. The first time I sat down with these pastors, I counted. I had 14 books in my library written by the men in that circle. I felt so inadequate, so insecure, so weak, even jealous. 
As part of our time together for a few days, we broke into small groups and I instructed them to share a need so that others in their group could intelligently and honestly pray for them. I will never forget when one of the most famous in the crowd said, men, would you pray for me and for my wife? We are estranged from our children and our hearts are breaking. When my brother shared his thorn in the flesh and his weakness, my heart broke with his. From our mutual weaknesses, we ministered to each other and God's grace was upon us all. The power of Christ dwells in us when we are weak and makes us strong. Let's pray. Oh, precious Lord, help us all to be strong enough to be weak. Amen.